Hello, hello, and welcome to yet another episode of the Yellow Card. Here we join my buddy the Pain and I as we discuss everything about the English Premier League. Hi, the Pain. How's it going? And what did you think of this week's action? Hi, Chirag. What's up, everyone? Uh, good. Another action-packed game week. Game week three. A uh, lot of things to talk about. Why don't we get straight into it? Uh, the United of old is it scoring very late in the match? Is that what how you see it, Chirag? Not at all. <laughs> this is not what I would describe as the United of old. <laughs> he must be pulling his hair out. Uh, awful, awful performance to say the least. Brighton should have actually had more. Um, United just got lucky in the end, and 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 I think that's about it. They're struggling. They don't have. Uh, a centre back pairing that that fits the part. I don't think Maguire knows what he's doing. Lindelof has never con- convinced me. And to make matters worse, the Sancho saga, saga just goes on, and they really need to to tighten up the back. And they're looking at in, in, enforcing the uh, top half of the field. So no sense to me. And I don't understand what's going on in Ed Woodward's head. Or what the top brass at Manchester United are thinking? No, absolutely. A sluggish start for United. I think first match was not good. They lost at home to Crystal Palace. Coming year also away to Brighton. They did manage eventually to get the three points. But yeah, as you said, that was quite lucky with the penalty that was given after the final whistle. Yeah, but they got the better. I mean, they got three points, so they they. Got to be happy with that. Well, if I was a United fan, I wouldn't be happy because while the three points are there, it's it's abysmal. Their performance is subpar to say the least. Even though you have the likes of Bruno Fernandez in the side, as usual, as I've said week on week, Pogba is doing nothing. I don't know why he's there. He's absolutely non-existent. Um, it, it needs a big, big improvement, and Oli really needs to have some type of a serious chat in the dressing room. I don't know what he's going to do to turn this around, but it needs to turn around and it needs to turn around fast. Yep. And funny that Van der Beek didn't start, actually. thought after he got a look in towards the end of the last game, he might come in straight away, having got the goal. And, you know, he'd be full of confidence going into the match, but he didn't start. So that was uh, quite strange. But yeah, uh, not a good time to be a United fan currently. Let's move on to <laughs> happier things. Everton, uh, Everton, uh, looking very, very good. It wasn't their best match particularly, but I think they also scraped through somehow and got uh, that two-one win. I do agree, it wasn't their best match, but overall, if you look at the middle of the park, he's really shorted up as Ancelotti with with Decore, with James Rodriguez, and with Allen. So uh, there's a lot to be positive on the blue side of Merseyside, and as we've spoken about it before as well, um, Calvert Lewin is looking really good. He continues to really impressed me. So, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how many goals he can conjure up across the uh, the course of this season. And overall, while I wouldn't say that we're elated with their defensive setup or uh, their goalkeeper, I think Jordan Pickford is at the end of the day far from convincing right now. I still think that uh, on an overall basis, 
there is a lot to be positive for if you're an Everton supporter. And three wins out of three, I, I don't remember when was the last time that happened for Everton. So I think they can really hold their heads high and be very proud of what they're doing right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, three wins out of three really puts them in good stead going ahead. Yeah, it's not... Uh... It's not the best uh, game, as I said earlier, but yeah, I think such performances, when you get the win, it only adds to what you have going forward. And the new signings for them have really worked. And uh, they, they've they started to come together. They'll only grow with uh, understanding between, the two, uh, between each other and things can only improve. Speaking of new signings coming together... The team that had a lot of new signings, not all of them have come out on the park yet. But those that have, have not really impressed for Chelsea, have they? Uh, not at all. It, it was amazing. Uh, Lampard, the look on Lampard's face was literally like a baby that just wants to sulk in the corner. He was angry and how. And and probably with, with due reason, because there were a couple of mistakes from Marcus Alonso, which, which were really bad. Uh, he left his marker in, on one occasion and... Uh, another mistake on the other occasion. And Thiago had a howler, which is, I don't remember the last time we said that. Of course, it was his first outing in the Premier League in a Chelsea shirt. So, we'll give him that. But, oh my God. So, it, overall, uh, it was shocking. It was a shocking first half from Chelsea. And uh, uh, I, I don't know what was said in that dressing room, but to be a fly on the wall at halftime at that Chelsea dressing room, that would have been something because whatever happened, Lampard made a couple of substitutions. Uh, they both worked, I think, uh, to pull the game back. It was literally a game of two halves where Chelsea dominated the second half and got back 3-3. So, uh, I think that talks a lot about the mentality of the side. But in terms of the new signings, I agree. I don't think I saw enough from... Werner, Habert, Thiago, no, I, I have nothing positive to say really about many of the new signings. Havertz, midweek, I think in the Carabao Cup, managed to conjure up a hat-trick. So, it, uh, you know, kudos to him for that. And he's going to get better. He's still very young and adjusting to life in the Premier League. But nothing to shout home about at the moment. But they can still take a lot of pride in the fact that they could come back from a 3-0 deficit. Whereas if you compare to... How United are playing at the moment, for example. Chelsea still looking better of sides that are probably not going to be in the top two at least. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think that first half was getting quite embarrassing. It was looking like it would get really embarrassing for Frank Lampard's side. But the goals were largely, as you mentioned, due to individual errors. So, I don't see like a problem with the setup per se. They still have a lot of players to come in. I mean, Chilwell is still to play. Pulisic was great last year for them. Is still to play a match this season. Hakim Ziyech has not yet played. So there is a lot of lot of people who are still not uh, there and still who are still to come. So that will probably make a lot of difference going forward. Yep, I agree. I agree with you over there. Uh, moving on to the uh, couple of other interesting matches, I think. Uh, it was interesting to note that Wolves have suffered a, and I would like to think what I would call a shock defeat to West Ham. I think they went went down 4-0 if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And oh, quite a surprising result because Wolves, I think they will, they've come off a strong season last season. They've retained Nuno Espirito Sanchez and they've made some shrewd signings. So, 
I was pretty surprised with that result from Wolves. But uh, good going from a West Ham perspective because they're off the mark and running and uh, looking good right now. That's all I can say from 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 West Ham's perspective. Yeah, I mean, given the game week, only two home teams won their matches, and one of them being West Ham against Wolves was a quite uh, quite a surprise. Uh, but yeah, four nil West Ham was would was quite impressive. I mean, Wolves' season so far has uh, started with a bang, two goals in the first six minutes, and ever since it's just not been that great for them. Of course, they played Man City last week, so that that could be excused. But four nil against West Ham was quite quite uh, surprising. Also, speaking of Man City, they were also the part of the surprise package this week, losing five two. At home to Leicester. I think that actually Brendan Rodgers put up a brave side. He put up an attacking side. He went with a good plan over there. Yes, they went 1-0 down if I'm not mistaken. But they actually had the heart to come back. I think both those penalties were actually penalties. So, no doubts about that. Wadi got his second hat-trick against City. And uh, interestingly, only three people I believe have actually managed to score a hat-trick against uh, a Pep Guardiola side. One was uh, Leo Messi uh, when his Barcelona side scored it against City. Uh, the uh, other uh, one being uh, Aguero when uh, he scored the hat-trick against Bayern Munich when Pep was the coach over there. And the other two times, Vardy's taken, take, taken the cake. So, uh, quite something to think about for Pep because another interesting stat is, I believe, this is the only time that a Pep Guardiola managed side has let let in five goals so that normally you see them smashing five goals against the opposition this was quite the opposite yeah absolutely and again the, the defensive issues that we spoke of earlier they've persist and they're they're making things very difficult for man city going ahead i think it looks tough for them to pose a challenge to the title with this kind of uh, defensive performances and as you said brendan rogers did put out a very good brave side and he had a clear plan and most of it was to attack on the counter-attack. Wadi at one point had 15 touches of the ball and three goals. That's true. That's absolutely true. And and that's what Leicester are so good at. They, they've always been good on the counter against the bigger sides. And uh, they showed why once again when they went to the Etihad. So, uh, I think kudos to, to Leicester and to Brendan Rodgers. It was a very well done, uh, you know, very well thought out match and a very good performance. Uh, moving on, I think... Uh, there is, again, a lot of controversy when, over at the next game when we talk about Spurs and Newcastle because Spurs were pretty much over the line at 1-0 and a last-minute crazy VAR decision led to Newcastle equalising. What are your thoughts over there? Yeah, absolutely. They look quite comfortable, especially in the first half. Uh, they hit the woodwork a couple of times. They scored a goal. They went into half-time pretty comfortably. And uh, after that, they didn't do as much but they were looking comfortable for a win with the yeah the handball rule is going to be troublesome i think going forward also but the way it is being implemented i think you'll see a lot of these kind of penalties going forward and something like that should be given a penalty because he was not even looking at the ball the hand didn't move based on expecting the ball to come there it was just there that was his natural position per se and it hit the ball came to him from behind and not very far off. It was right behind him that the header was uh, hit onto the arm. Tottenham lose a couple of points there. I have yeah. one word to describe that 
they paint one word to describe that decision and that's nonsense because there was nothing else this was total and utter nonsense you're losing the spark of the game they really need to look at themselves in the mirror the the lawmakers over here because literally clearly the best side didn't win and clearly it wasn't a penalty and they're taking away the fun of the game they're taking away the magic of the game by interpreting penalties in the way they have done and the way that the law currently stands so um i'm just appalled there's nothing else i really can add no 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 two ways about it i think it is not what you'd like to see i mean there's something like that is not a penalty and you don't want the team to lose two points because of a decision like that especially when they've played well and yeah just another point to add on tottenham i think uh, bale was in the stadium but not part of the squad regulon though did make it on had an injury at half time so i think he's going to be off for a while that might be a way back for delhi ali in that sense probably maybe because not making the 18 also as of now which is kind of surprising don't you think agreed but he while he's a great talent he's always been for want of a better word lazy and he hates people calling him that but there's no other way to put it right i'm not saying he's not training hard but the performance of the effort on the pitch which any coach would like to see or the fans would like to see is not always there so great talent but needs to really back it up with his performances which is not only always scoring goals and it's not always what's being seen on the, on the pitch yeah absolutely agree with that let's let's move on anyways let's move on to the next match that we'll be discussing uh, leeds sheffield united versus leeds a late goal from leeds taking it 1-0 i think sheffield united are struggling as of now in this season i agree and the reason for that is probably sides have found them out they basically figured out how to play them last year sheffield was side that had just come up from the championship nobody knew much about them nobody knew much about their players they've had a season to settle in the premier league so it's better from a sheffield point of view but from other from from other teams point of view they've had time to study them they've had a time to get used to their formation uh, i also believe that that sheffield will without both their usual center backs because th- their injuries around so it wasn't obviously easy for sheffield but uh, i do think that sides have found them out now and bielsa is also used to playing sheffield even from the from from his first from his first season in the championship so uh, i think that uh, it's not necessarily surprising it was a tight game and uh, bamford did the trick again for, for leeds so i think that he's proving to be you know a really good striker it was remaining to be seen whether he can perform to this level at the premier league but so far so good for bamford yeah and finally if the clean sheet not giving away three goals or four goals a game so that that's a positive sign also moving on to southampton versus burnley then early goal for danny ings danny ings looking good so far this season looks like he is going to live up to the reputation that he had a couple of years back maybe absolutely he had a very strong season last season as well and there's a reason why the the southampton manager says look he's not for sale uh, he's proved he's had a very strong start this season as well and uh, is probably going to be their most prolific goal scorer and while i think that it's going to be a tough season for them and i don't know whether they're going to need to battle it out for relegation but that may be the case 
uh, Danny Ings may actually be the savior over here. So a lot of positives if you're a Southampton fan and especially if you support Danny Ings. Moving on now, I think a uh, couple of more games left. I think one to talk about would be the fact that Villa com- comfortably beat Fulham. It was a really comprehensive victory. And what was surprising was was uh, Tony Khan's statement after that. Devane, what did you think of that? Yeah, I think it was uh, really surprising to see the owner of the club making a statement like that. I mean, he said they're looking for centre-backs and due to COVID, they haven't been able to land any. And uh, two of them got away because of that. One, they thought was a free transfer, which was almost a done deal, but didn't happen. And some other issue with a fourth uh, centre-back. But he says, the, I promise the players that are in will be better going forward. The efforts will be better. But I was surprised that such a statement came out in the first place. I mean, too early in the season still, you just made it to the Premier League per se. And within three matches, I don't know, maybe something is happening behind the scenes that we aren't aware of. Absolutely. But I agree with you. It's kind of surprising at the start of the season. And I don't know what kind of a message it sends to... Uh, the coach and and his players. Uh, But from a Villa point of view, it's two wins out of two and it's two clean sheets. So, uh, a lot to be positive about if you're uh, a Villa fan and and things are looking good over there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just a funny thing. I mean, it's too early in the season still, but uh, end of last season, I think they were fourth or fifth from the bottom and currently they're fourth from the top. So, yeah, it's a little funny uh, feeling to look at that table and find Aston Villa there. But two comfortable wins for them, I think. So, yeah, looking positive going forward. And now for my favourite part and my favourite topic of the night. The match of the week. The girls. Absolutely, the pain. What were your thoughts on Liverpool versus Arsenal? The, the way the match started off, I was probably... Yeah, I was afraid that uh, Arsenal would really concede a lot of uh, chances. The way they were trying to play out from the back again and again, it was looking very uh, tentative. But they did, till a certain extent, I think till they conceded the second goal, they were looking like they were in the match. But uh, somehow, yeah, Liverpool showing that the gulf between the two sides is quite large at the moment. The sheer quality that Liverpool hold over Arsenal is far too big to, you know, match at the moment for Arsenal. Well, I agree though. I think that you can still take a lot of positives from the Arsenal performance and you can see actually what Mikel Arteta is trying to do to the side. So, there are definitely some positive signs. They nicked an early goal. Uh, due to uh, Andy Robertson error, but I think he was quick to make up for that as well. Uh, Liverpool, certainly the more dominating side, the, the amount of possession at one point was about 73% to 27%. So, a, a lot of more possession from, from Liverpool, which was expected. A lot more dominant football. And you can actually, I agree with you, you can actually see the difference in quality between the sides. So, I'm from a Liverpool perspective, I'm really, really happy with their performance, dominate, dominating performance to say the least. And Diego Jota on the score sheet on debut at the cop end. Uh, nothing else could be better other than the fact that we don't have the fans in the stadium at the moment. So, all in all though, I think it was really, really strong from Liverpool and a clear message that you're going to have to come and find us and take us down. Yeah, and on Jota, I think uh, he had a, quite a few chances. As soon as he came on, immediately, I think a string of two or three chances. And then finally got that goal. And yeah, it was quite a debut for him. 
Arsenal on the other hand did uh, I mean you could blame Lacazette uh, a little bit for squandering two very clear cut chances where he was one on one with the goalkeeper and he didn't even look close to clearing uh, Alisson there I agree uh, one of those two chances was actually offside but Alisson wouldn't have known that the first one was offside but he still made a good save and the second one was actually onside and it was superb chance for Lacazette and he squandered it so literally especially when Ceballos came on in the second half Arsenal the game started to open up Ceballos started making those kind of passes and it was really sad to see because Arsenal could have and when i say sad to see i mean from an Arsenal perspective it was sad to see because they could have taken those chances and the game could have ended up very differently Alisson had to be on his toes throughout the match and especially in the second half and make those kind of saves so uh, it, it was definitely a match where Arsenal had their chances as well what are you looking forward to the next for the next week chirag some good matches but uh, i i think it, it's going to be an interesting week because you're going to see whether people whether teams can actually continue on their winning run whether it's uh, uh, whether liverpool everton who, who goes where and and what the stats are uh, i I am actually particularly interested in Manchester United versus Spurs on Sunday. I think that's going to be a cracker of a match uh, and and probably my pick of the week for next week. Uh, another interesting match would be on Saturday when Leeds take on Manchester City because I want to see whether Leeds can unlock that Man City defense or whether City will literally pound them. Yeah, I I was about to say that I am feeling a little worried for Leeds United. they they will probably bear the brunt of the frustration that man city have over losing 5-2 and they could be at the receiving end so it'll be interesting to see what happens there but yeah manchester united hosting tottenham will definitely uh, be the one to watch don't write off marco bielsa and his side that's the only thing i'm going to tell you <laughs> we may be in for a surprise i know it's a tremendously uphill task for them but if they can go 4-3 with liverpool you never know what can happen against city uh while i do agree with you city will be the strong favorites i am going to cheer for the underdog in this one and i really hope bielsa can pull off something you just want more validation for the liverpool side is it <laughs> <laughs> that's one way of looking at it they say uh, from a united spurs point of view i i really want mourinho to win i i am really looking forward to that I think they're going to. Go, I, I think it's at the theater of dreams, and Mourinho would have like nothing more than to take three points over there. Yeah, this there's a little bit of history and a needle going on also. I think before uh, this match also, Brighton actually uh, hit the woodwork five times in the match against Manchester United, and Sorcia after the match said that you know it's a good thing Mourinho is not here because he'd be measuring the goals. and uh, mourinho made a statement in return so yeah a little bit of needle already that has begun for that match so that that will definitely be the match to watch out for for the next game week agreed the pain looking forward to it moving yes. on then just to round up a couple of transfers or transfer talk at the moment or uh, where do you think we stand on a couple of them the pain what's the update from your side since we've been talking about united so much uh, just to say that they i think espn reported that they are still in talks with sancho however they'll also be looking at uh, sar as backup so i don't know mixed signals coming in from manchester united they really do need a couple of players but it'll be just one week to go now so it'll be tight 
looking at that. Agreed, I, and I I really think that they've lost their way. But uh, on the other side of Manchester, I believe that they, that there has been a deal agreed for for a centre back, Ruben Diaz, which could actually see Garcia going off to Barcelona. Uh, it's po- uh, I mean, it's possible. Ruben Diaz from Benfica, I think, comes to Manchester City. Nicolas Otamendi goes the other way. So I, they they're saying it's two separate deals, but I don't think that's really the reality. Quite an expensive buy also. I mean, Ruben Diaz, uh, close to 60-65 million pounds is quite a heavy price for a defender. Coming from a Portuguese league, we really don't know how that's going to shape up. And yeah, as you said, Garcia maybe, he got a game in, he started, he started off okay-ish, I guess. He didn't do uh, too badly, but then as the game went on and Leicester was the counter-attack, he got really found out. So, yeah, he's probably moving to Barcelona. We'll see where how that shapes up. And uh, speaking of Barcelona, I think Nelson Samedo is coming to the English Premier League. He's coming to Wolves. It, I think it's a particularly good signing for Wolves. I actually think he played his first game this weekend, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, it's a very good signing for Wolves. So, I think a lot to look forward to if you're a Wolves fan. And actually, they've got him as cover for Doherty, who's gone to Spurs. So, I think it's a very, very shrewd signing from Wolves. So, a lot to look forward to over there. It's and actually also round- funny because Barcelona, I mean, Bartomeu at the press conference after he signed Komen and the whole Messi saga was happening. And he said there are, of the, he mentioned seven names that are unsaleable for Barcelona. And Nelson Samedo was one of them. So, yeah, there is apparently no unsaleable player in Barcelona currently. I don't really... I can't spend time talking about that, Repain. I think that it's just... I really have no words. I'm speechless. I used to love this team. And uh, honestly, they've lost all respect in my eyes because the way they've treated even Suarez has been appalling to say the very least. Um, And I'm very, very disappointed with Barcelona. But just coming back to the Premier League and just to round it off, I think that uh, Mendy has officially signed for Chelsea, which which literally, I think, clearly spells the end of you know his tenure from a Kepa perspective, I think. And if you look at what happened this past week for Chelsea, I believe it was Caballero in goal, not even not not Kepa, even though uh, uh, you know Mendy would probably take some time to settle in. Uh, it's only a matter of time before he makes the first eleven because clearly Caballero is not uh, first choice for Lampard either. So yeah, I think Mendy will soon be making his first appearance in the Premier League. I think that's it for the transfer roundup so far. It's good talking to you, Chirag. It's a good week of action and hopefully plenty more to come. Cheers, Debain. Thanks, everyone. See you on the other side. Oh, 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 oh,